We want to become the most dominant, most physical, most disciplined team, not this year, not next year, every year. That's who we want to become. I sit here. That's why this is going to be a marriage made in heaven for a long, long, long time. We will absolutely set this place on fire. And if you're late, don't come in. And good morning, Friar Town, and welcome back to the FriarBasketball.com Provcast. Second show this weekend for you guys. My name is Craig Bellhumer. I'm joined by Kevin Fairhard, Craig Layton. Later on in the show, you'll hear from PC Associate Head Coach Andre Lafleur. Looking forward to sharing that with you guys. But to start today's show, we're going to do a little bit of a roundtable discussion around what we're encouraged by and what we're concerned on moving forward in the season. I'll start off by saying, and I think we'd be remiss to not bring this up, is just the star play of this team. You know, a lot of teams would be fortunate to have one go-to guy. PC has two. LaDonte Hinton, 21.2 points per game, 10th in the country in score, or excuse me, in the top 10 for scoring in the country. Then you look at Chris Dunn's performance in Big East play. He's tops in the league in assists, tops in the country in assists per game. And he also is the team's leading rebounder at this point at 5.8 rebounds a game. And, you know, you look at those two guys, and how can you not be encouraged by that? Uh, last year's team, a lot of the weight was carried by Bryce Cotton. Uh, um, he did a great job with it. But this year, you look at it, I mean, I feel like the team is just set up to go deeper in the tournament simply because they have more options. And if, you can, if a couple of other guys can step up, some of the role players, um, I feel really encouraged at this point just by the makeup of the team. Yeah, Craig, what's an interesting stat which people haven't really talked too much about is obviously Chris is Chris Dunn is leading the Big East in assists, but he's also top six in rebounds and scoring, which is pretty incredible. I can't remember a player in the last I'm sure there has been one, but I can't really remember in the last ten years or so, who's been top six in rebounds, assists, and scoring the Big East. So he's just been incredible. Kevin, I might also add he's probably leading in a the Big East and steals too. I think he's second or third now. He just bumped down a little bit. But, like, I mean, moot point, he's right up there, Craig. So his defense has been unbelievable, too. So that actually leads to to what I'm most encouraged about is just where this team is defensively. Um, right now, they're tops in the Big East um, in field goal percentage against in conference games. Teams are shooting just about 40% against them. Uh, PC's holding teams to just above 30% three-point shooting. And... Carson DeRochers and conference plays lead the league in, in block shots. And I just think there's so much focus on on the offense. And the, I'm guilty of it, too, worrying about where this third score is going to come from. And they need it. But with that, we're overlooking some really, really good defensive play from, obviously, Chris Dunn and Carson DeRochers. But also, I think the role players, even a young kid like Jalen Lindsay, has done a really good job defensively while he's trying to find himself offensively. So that, that's what I'm really encouraged about. And, Craig, how about you? Yeah, I agree with Kevin. The defensive has been uh, really great, you know, the past couple of games. Xavier couldn't get anything from the outside, which is, you know, that's one of Cooley's goals is uh, no threes and tough twos. My uh, thing that I'm really encouraged about is the play recently of Pascal Chukwu. He's developing every game, and I don't know if people saw it, but there was quite a bit of time during the uh, 
end of the first half where both he and Carson, the two seven-footers, were on the floor at the same time and playing his own defense. And Xavier just had no idea what to do with that. I don't even think they got a shot off in like four or five times down down the court. And that, that could be an interesting uh, defensive look for them. And, you know, prior to that, they actually had uh, a very small lineup in. So it also gives them the flexibility of many different looks, you know, having that big, tall lineup and then having a small lineup as, as well. So um, I, I think if Carson, um, you know, and uh, Pascal develop together and they get on the court together more, uh, that, that could be a very, very interesting look and uh, pose some problems for other teams. Yeah, Craig, and on Pascal, I know something we talked about a lot prior to the season, but he's really surprised with just how good his hands are. Not, I mean, catching he's been great, but as far as rebounding, it seems like if he touches the ball, it's his, which has really surprised me a lot this year. Yeah, that has surprised me a lot too. I feel like it's just his hands are a magnet for the ball. He very, I, I don't honestly, I don't remember him ever dropping a pass. Or, no, I don't either. Um, he, he's just so effective when they when they pass the ball to him down low on an alley oop. Um, and I saw that last year when I was when I went to a couple of Fairfield prep games. Um, but for me, just in terms of the competition that he was seeing at that time, I didn't. I wasn't confident that that'd be able to translate to Big East play, and it has. Uh, so that, I, I too look forward to seeing them on the floor together, uh, just because of the the dynamic of having two seven footers on the floor. I think it'll definitely be helpful uh, moving on in the season. Switching gears to things that we may be a little bit concerned about at this point, I'll start off with just the schedule itself. You know, on Tuesday night, PC will play at home against DePaul, and then you look at the games coming up after that matchup with the Blue Demons at St. John's, at Georgetown, at Xavier, and then you're home against fourth-ranked Villanova, and then home against currently-ranked 24 Seton Hall, likely going to slide out of the top 25 once the polls come out tomorrow. But just looking at that schedule, it's it's extremely daunting having to play at Madison Square Garden on the 31st against St. John's, then traveling down to D.C. to play at Georgetown, and then finishing up that road trip with Xavier, and then you're welcomed home by a top-five team of the country. So, you know, looking at that portion of the schedule, I'd be happy if they come away with, you know, Excluding the DePaul game, if they can go one and one for two on the road against those three teams, I'd consider that a success. I mean, it's going to be virtually—I don't want to say virtually impossible—but it's going to be so tough to grab three wins on the road in a row in Big East play. So that's something that I'm—I'm I'm a bit concerned about. I don't think it's going to have a major impact on the end of the season in terms of overall ranking. I—I I, I still think the P, that PC will come out with a really solid record and will make uh, their second appearance in a row in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, Craig, I think these first two games are are the most critical in this stretch when you look at the four-game span of DePaul and three road games. I, I really think they're going to win Tuesday night against DePaul. And PC's fans have traveled well uh, to Mohegan Sun and Brooklyn earlier in the year, so you got to hope that they can give a little bit of a boost and represent on Saturday. So I think those are their two biggest chances. You know, the, the Georgetown game, Georgetown's playing so well right now. It's a 9 o'clock game. I just don't like how that one sets up. And Xavier's a really good offensive team at home. They've been they've struggled on the road. They took PC to overtime, um, and they've been really good at home. Um, that's probably a good segue. For my thought, my concern is a little more twofold. Uh, for me, it's execution. Uh, execution in two areas. One, late game execution. 
and how PC has executed offensively against zone defenses. Um, late game, we saw it against Xavier. Uh, folks might have forgotten, but that Miami game, they, they fell apart a little bit in the last minute before Henton got a, a big layup um, to kind of put that game away. But that, that closing against Xavier was ugly. And after the game... Ed Cooley, you know, put it on himself, said he had some timeouts in his pocket that he could have used. And if they had just not turned the ball over of uh, one of those three possessions that they did, um, they would have been fine. My, my concern is just the the ball handling, really. Chris Dunn's the only really reliable ball handling guard um, that province plays big minutes. And even he, for as terrific as he's been, has his turnover issues, especially when he's face, facing pressure defense. We saw it against Kentucky, which admittedly with Tyler Eulis is a whole different ball game, different kind of player than they'll see all year, but that was ugly, and you got to hope that they can clean that up a little bit, because that's a problem they even had at the beginning of last year in the Big East as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's very, it's going to be extremely important to take care of the basketball. I think Dunn's going to clean it up. You know, I, it, I again, he's still relatively fresh off the, the shoulder injury. I know it's been a lot, it, there's been a lot of games, but, you know, coming back from that, and, you know, you've seen he's been able to score and grab rebounds and steals and assists. And I think turnovers is next. He's going he's gonna to be able to get that under control. And there's still plenty of time to fix all that before, before postseason play. So um, I do think it's a concern right now, but I, I tend to lean that by season's end, he'll have that sort of cleaned up. Yeah, and, and Craig, to your point, I think that's what makes Chris Dunn such an interesting player. I think what makes him so good is his – aggression and how daring he is uh, with the ball and making key plays. But even look at the end of the Xavier game where that pass he threw to Henton for the three-point play was a really risky pass. I mean, it ended up being a great play, and LeDonte made a great play in the ball. But that's probably the final step in Chris's maturation, just having an understanding of just what he can get away with as far as making those kind of daring passes and daring plays. Yeah, definitely. In terms of other other concerns, Craig – uh, moving forward, what's a concern of yours? My concern is actually something that's a very big positive for PC right now, but I still worry about it. It's playing zone defense. If we go up against some hot shooting outside teams, um, you know that zone defense could actually be a handicap for us. And I, I, I think it's our best defense, and I know Ed would probably wants to stay into in it as long as he possibly can. But I, I think that's. You know, it could be a drawback when the team gets hot from the three-point line and uh, we, we could find ourselves in a hole very quickly playing the zone. Uh, I still think it's our best defense and what we should be doing, but it's also a concern. Yeah, Craig, to your point, I think that might be a concern for more down the road. Uh, you're looking at tournament time. There aren't a ton of great outside shooting teams in the Big East. Um, obviously, DePaul is shooting really well. Villanova is shooting really well. But if you look down the list... Almost, I think over half the league is shooting under 33% from three-point range in, in conference play. So there really aren't a ton of great outside shooting teams in the league right now. Uh, it's more individuals like Marquette has Carlino, uh, Seton Hall has has Gibbs. Uh, but I think that Butler be a has done them for me. What's that? Butler has done them. Yeah. Of course, we only see him one more time this year. Yeah. So I think I think it is a concern, Craig. But I, the, the Fortunate thing for PC is that might not be something that would harm them until the NCAA tournament. What brought that to mind, Kevin, for me was watching DePaul play against Xavier the other night, where they went 
I think they made 11 three-pointers in the, in the first half, and they just, uh, you know, ran out to a very big lead. Granted, Xavier did come back, but I'm like, oh, my God, you know, uh, if they start shooting, you know, like that against PC uh, in, in, in our zone, you know, that could be big problems. Which makes you wonder what Cooley will play on Tuesday night against DePaul. Will he stick with his own or will he go to man-to-man? So that'll be interesting to watch. Yep. Well, I think that's a good segue. Uh, coming up after the break, we'll be joined by PC Associate Head Coach Andre Lafleur. Looking forward to hearing his thoughts on the 15-5 and five Friars. Stay tuned for that. And welcome back to the FriarBasketball.com podcast. That was your PC pep band playing 25 or 6 to 4 by Chicago. And now, as I mentioned prior to the break, we'd like to welcome on associate head coach Andre LaFleur. Andre, thanks a lot for joining us this morning. Yep, thanks for having me. Good morning. So, just to start off, Coach, coming off the win against Xavier the other night, just curious to hear your thoughts on the team. Fifteen and five now, five and two in the Big East. What are your thoughts on this year's squad? Um, we're positioned. I mean, we lost a couple of games early that uh, we wish we could get back. I mean, even in the non-conference. But um, at five and two right now, I mean, we feel like we're positioned for a shot at uh, making a run. Um, it was a tough game. Every game in the you know, the biggest conference and, you know, conference play overall everywhere. It's, it's, they're, they're tough games. And, you know, the Xavier game, they're a very good offensive team. They shoot the ball very well from the three-point line. I thought our game plan was uh, very good in, you know, trying to take away the three-point line. And we didn't want to double down on Stainbrook, who is a really good, you know, power forward, but he's a better kind of a playmaking forward, you know, passing out of the post. So I thought we did a good job of playing him one-on-one. And even though he scored, um, he wasn't able to uh, facilitate uh, three-pointers, uh, you know, attempts for the other guys. And I thought that, you know, we had the game in hand for a long time. They did a great job of making the run at the end. But it was our turnovers and our missed free throws at the end of the game that made it even close and brought it into overtime. And, Andre, the one thing we saw in that Zebra game, which we haven't seen much of this year, which we got a lot of questions from our readers and listeners, is we saw Carson and Pascal playing together. Was that more matchup? Yep. Was that more matchup specific, or is that something that we might see more of going forward? Well, if you, if you notice that time, we had foul trouble. Um, Ladante, both Ladante and uh, Ben Bentil had uh, were in foul trouble, and we were playing zone at that time. And we know that we can play the both of them in zone um, together. You know, something that we've been uh, using in practice a lot. You know, we've been trying to find ways to play the two seven-footers together, and they're pretty effective in the zone because Carson can move off into one of the wing spots, and, you know, uh, um, Pascal can become the rim protector. But we probably won't be able to do that matchup much if we go man-to-man because uh, one of the guys would have to probably play a face-up forward, so that probably wouldn't be as effective for us. But when we do play 2-3 zone, um, you will look to see them play more together. Well, that that'd be definitely. Uh, I'm sure fans have have been wondering about that. So, looking forward to seeing them both on the floor. Certainly, the length that the, both of those guys provide is interesting to, to watch for sure. Now, uh, Andre, in terms of just like, you know, there was an article earlier this week by Kevin McNamara in the Providence Journal where Ed Cooley was talking about just how 
how much fans should appreciate this team considering how young the team is, how many new guys have come in since the Big East tournament win last season. You look at a guy, what Chris Dunn has been able to do over the past several games. I mean, you know, he's starting to get a lot of national attention. Did, as a coaching staff, did you guys feel he'd be able to uh, come back this quickly after the shoulder injuries and have this big of an impact on the team? Yes and no. Yes, we always felt that Chris was uh, is very capable of being one of the top point guards, not just in the Big East, but in the country. I mean, he was in high school. I mean, projection-wise, I mean, he's where pretty much where he's supposed to be. I mean, he's been hampered by the injuries the last two years, so we weren't sure just how you know how quickly he would be able to get his legs under him. Um, but he's a he's a phenomenal physical specimen. I mean, as an athlete, he's probably one of the most gifted athletes. Um, that we've ever, you know, had, you know, play for any of us. And just his overall understanding and development of point guard play, that's a hard position to learn. Um, I'm glad that he was able to come back early this year and have those uh, non-conference games under his belt. And I thought we had a pretty competitive non-conference schedule to try to get him, you know, acclimated to the point guard position. But as we move into the league play, you see his turnovers are, are decreasing. Um, his assist is still up there. He's leading the country in assists. And he's always, you know, right around, because of his physical attributes, he's always right around a triple-double waiting to happen. You know, he's been two rebounds off of a triple-double this game, you know, two assists off of a triple-double this game. You know, he's um, he's developing very quickly and um, um, very similar to Bryce Cotton. It has a lot to do with being you know, thrust into the fire in in very high-level games and, you know, and having to play all of the minutes that he's playing. And, you know, to his uh, credit, I mean, he's adjusting, you know, very well. Absolutely. Now, in terms of Dunn, you, you mentioned how he sort of flirts with the triple-double uh, pretty often, of late anyway. Now, Dunn currently is the leading rebounder on the team with 5.8 rebounds per game. Is that is that a concern for you and the coaching staff when you, when you look at uh, certainly LaDonte Henton has been a force as a rebounder throughout his career, but this year his rebound numbers are down. Do you feel like that's more of just because of the role that you guys have placed LaDonte in? And, and is that a concern that, that a point guard is the leading rebounder at this point? No, it's not a concern at all. I mean, as far as toughness, Chris is one of our toughest players. Um, we actually made an adjustment um, offensively that we normally send two guys back to defensive transition. Um, when Chris is out there, we'll send four guys to the offensive glass. Um, and we try to really put pressure on teams that are trying to run out on us by, you know, they have to get the rebound. they got to get a stop. And, you know, the way we play, the way we're guarding the three-point line, and, you know, just in the league uh, that we play in, there's a lot of three-pointers that go up. There's a lot of long rebounds. We encourage our guards to get in there and stick their nose in. And because of Chris, Chris's toughness, I mean, that's something that he's able to um, excel at. And as for, as for Legante, we have changed, you know, a lot of his role. He's more of a scorer, more of a face-up guy this year than he was in, in previous years. And we actually start him at the three. So his rebounding is going to be down a bit. But if you notice as, games, as the game goes on, we normally we might take Ben out and we'll move uh, Ladante back over to the four where he's an effective rebounder and post up guy, and we'll bring uh, 
Tyler Harrison and he'll play the three or we'll bring a, a Jalen Lindsay and we'll move him over to the three spot. So it's just a matter of where we're playing with Dante right now. But when push comes to, to shove and when we really need a rebound, he's uh, definitely our toughest guy. And Andre, you mentioned Jalen Lindsay and he's one guy I think fans are um, interested in learning more about the coaching staff's perspective on his role in the offense. I think there's some questions about, you know, should he be more assertive? Is he more being relegated to a role where he's more of just a stretch of the floor outside shooter for you? Well, that's something that it's a progress. I mean, that's where development comes right now. He's probably primarily, you know, one of our three point threats that we want him to be a little bit more aggressive offensively to hunt out some shots. Um, but as time goes on, you'll start to see him, him emerge as, you know, a more rounded perimeter player with his athleticism. Um, we're working on his mid-range one or two dribble pull-ups, and we really want to get him in the open court up ahead in our transition so um, he can have some easy opportunities or, you know, just some, uh, some space to score, you know, in transition. And that's something that we're developing right now as the season is, is among us, we have to make sure that we get something, you know, positive out of not just him, but all of the guys. So his role for us right now is the stretch, you know, uh, the stretch shooter. Um, and we want him to be a much more aggressive offensive rebounder because he's our most athletic, uh, athletically talented guy. And um, he's, he's actually he's doing a great job on the defensive end with his length. So we're happy with where he is right now. We still want all of our perimeter players to be a lot more aggressive offensively, especially, and be able to you know keep a guy in front of them and make them take tough twos on the defensive end. So we're happy with his progress so far, but we're expecting a lot more you know out of Jalen as years to come. Yeah, that's the hope. I mean, I think you know he Jalen certainly and his numbers in Big East play. I believe he's four of twenty-five from three. But, I mean, you saw it earlier in the season against Florida State when he knocked down five of six threes. So if he could start to do that um, in, in games coming up, that'll be certainly something that can help boost the offense. Now, Andre, something I'd like to, to hear your story behind. I know you played with Tony Thomas, the head coach at, at Compton High School, uh, where Kyron mm-hmm. Cartwright came from back when you were playing AAU with Slamma Jam. And when I spoke yep. to Tony uh, prior to Chiron committing, he explained that story to me. I was just curious, is that something that, that typically happens in recruiting? or, or how, Relationships like that, how often does that uh, turn into a prospective recruit? In particular, um, A lot. Uh, a, a lot. Um, especially uh, there's windows of opportunity there also. I mean, you know, I can look at uh, relationships that I've played with, um, you know, some some guys that are coaching now or even fathers that have sons. All of our sons are about prospect age now. I mean, it, it's funny. I played in Australia for 12 years, and all of the, 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 the very talented Australian players that are coming out, uh, you talk about Ben Simmons. I played with and against his father for years, David Simmons. Over, He played for the Melbourne Tigers when I was in Australia playing in the Gold Coast. Um the, uh, there's there's a bunch of Australians out here and now they're all becoming you know of college age and you know through our relationships we'll have a you know we'll have a shot at some of them but in Kyron Cartwright's uh, situation um, in particular yeah I played with uh, his high school coach you know uh, 
And that relationship goes a long way back. He, his father was a, a coach, a high school coach at the same high school. Um, we've always maintained a really good, close relationship. And, you know, when there's a kid on the West Coast that I need a little bit more information, and, you know, I have a handful of guys that I've known since I was a kid that I could call that are all in basketball in different uh, capacities. I can call them and get information on the kid, background information. And uh, I'm fortunate that sometimes, you know, they might have a kid that they think is good enough that plays for them, and they might give me a call. In this situation, we needed a point guard uh, because we uh, we had a transfer, Josh transfer. We needed some backcourt strength, you know, Chris's injury. Um, so uh, Loyola Marymount, their uh, coaching um, situation opened up, and they had a, a, a coaching change. And one of his kids was uh, looking to leave. Um, so, you know, we were looking for a point guard. And at that time, he told me that, you know, a kid that played for him, you know, would be, you know, really good fit, you know, for Coach Cooley, you know, the way he plays. And uh, he's got a lot of upside. And we're very happy to have been able to uh, to get him. Um, early on, he was the, the point guard as Chris was getting his feet even you know, a little bit settled under him early in the season. We played Chris off the ball, and we played Kyron on the ball. And, you know, the, the kid has a really high IQ. He's a very athletic kid. He's just very young, and he's still developing. He works his butt off. Uh, we're expecting him to be a, a very solid contributor for us over the next, uh, you know, four years. And, Andre, just the final question for me, it has to do with recruiting. It seems like, you're in a really good position as far as front court, front court depth going forward. But I was wondering to get your perspective on how you think you're looking um, in the backcourt shaping up, or if that's something you want to focus on maybe this spring and next year as well. Well, we always want to focus on, um, on our guard play, especially uh, the point guard, shooting guard position, because those positions, I mean, we're firm believers that, you know, you win a lot of games with, with your guard play. You win championships with, uh, with big guy play. Um, but um, we're we're positioned very well. I mean, we have probably one of the most talented point guards in our you know in the country in our program right now. To go out and be able to get another you know top ten, top five guys, knowing that Chris Dunn is right there, um, sometimes that's not as attractive for a, a guy that wants to come in right away and have the ball you know put in his hand. Um, but we're positioned pretty you know. We're in a pretty good position with some really talented, um, some really talented uh, uh, point guards and uh, and shooting guards, combo guards. You know, moving forward, and uh, we feel like you know our guard play is always going to be the strength of you know most of our teams because they're they're the playmakers. And, you know, but with Pascal, you know, developing at the rate that he is, and Ben Bentil. Um, we have, uh, you know, uh, Rodney uh, Bullock that will be back next year. And then we have Alex Owens coming in and, you know, Ryan Fizikis. You know, you're right. Our front court is pretty solid. We need to have, you know, a back court that is just as solid, if not more. But I think that the one thing that does attract a really good point guard is knowing the fact that, you know, you have really good front court players. So we're we're definitely using, you know, the – the, the level of our big guys, um, you know, over the next couple of years, we're, we're leveraging that with a lot of young guards to let them know that they're going to be playing on teams that are capable of making a run 
um, so it's not just a Big East championship, but a run deep in the NCAA championship. And, you know, that's our overall goal is, is making sure that uh, we're positioned, you know, to have ourselves a chance to uh, go deep in March. Well, Coach, we wish you the best of luck. And once again, really appreciative of the fact that you gave us the time this morning. It's great to get here's perspective from an assistant, someone outside of Ed Cooley, since obviously he's in the press most often. But thanks a lot and enjoy your weekend. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you, coach. and enjoy your weekend also. Thank okay. you. Yep, bye-bye. Bye. Go Flyers. <laughs> so once again, that was Andre LaFleur, associate head coach for Providence College. Really nice to hear perspective from him. As I mentioned, it's so prominent that Ed Cooley is in the press for all the obvious reasons, but it's interesting to hear from somebody else that's close to the program. So it's our hope to have Andre on the show again later on down the season. Um, and also thank you for all the listeners. We will be hosting another podcast that will have fans on coming up shortly where you can ask questions or share your opinion on the team. So look out for messages for that. And that just about does it for this edition of the FriarBasketball.com podcast. Until next time, my name is Craig Bellheimer on behalf of Kevin Fairhard, Craig Layton. Have a great week, Friartown. Buddy, you're a boy, make a big noise, playing in the street, gonna be a big man someday. You got mud on your face. You big disgrace, kicking your can all over the place, singing We will, we will rock you
fortune and everything that goes with it. I thank you all, but it's been no bed of roses.